0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 55 The War Games, Part 1. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Tuns, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have. Paul Gann. Jamie No! <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Paul? It's going going yes we can both say that life is going it's going
1: somewhere yes some days it feels like it's going over here and some days it feels like it's going over there right right and we won't and say the other place sometimes it feels like it's going
0: nope <laughs> other than life going how are you doing with uh, the doctor lately
1: mm, i'm enjoying some new second doctor episodes really yes so am i i <laughs> Funny how that works. (laughs)
0: Yes, folks, we're going to talk some Second Doctor revisiting Patrick Troughton here shortly. But before we jump into our discussion on this episode, we did want to hit a little bit of the news. And what is the first little item of news that we want to go ahead and and hit here, Paul?
1: Cardiff, no! (laughs) (laughs) Please explain. The... Dr. Who experience might be shutting down. Yes. For good. For good. Might be. Might be. Uh, The contract, the five-year sublease for the city of Cardiff to house the Dr. Who experience is going to be running out this coming summer. Yes. And I'm very sad. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I'm very sad because this was on my bucket list to, to go over there and see this along with all of the other things that I've been wanting to see my entire life. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now,
0: I, it's, it's a little disappointing too, because I wanted to see it as well, but you know, no one knows if they're going to just, you know, move it somewhere else or what. Now, nobody knows if they're going to try and move it uh, to keep it going or if they're just going to let the lease expire and let the doctor who experience fade off in time and space like a TARDIS leaving us forever stranded on a planet with no way to catch up boy that was depressing
1: that's not cool
0: no no that was a depressing way to say that
1: i I Um, don't want i don't want the TARDIS to sit on the street corner
0: and die (laughs) i don't want it to be forgotten no (laughs) Uh, oh god I mean, we, we've still got till, you know, summer of 2017 before their <laughs> lease is up. So, you know, we, we could see it relocate right uh, somewhere else, um, especially if it's, you know, as successful as I think it's been. From what I understand, it's been fairly successful. Uh, so here's hoping that they just move locations and we'll still be able to keep it on our bucket list.
1: Yeah, it would be nice even if they maybe got a bigger location. You know? Yes, yes. <laughs> hey, let's Maybe just make it a theme park, <laughs> a
0: permanent location, an indoor outdoor theme park. Yes, <laughs> on one of the BBC backlots. <laughs> Works for me. Mm, I've been watching a little bit too <laughs> much Animaniacs lately, but yeah. So there's that. Um, there's also some other. I hesitate to call this news because it's a rumor. It's a rumor, and it's on a rumor site. Uh, it's on
1: a couple a, of rumor sites.
0: Yeah, a, aka the, the Mirror.co.uk is the primary place that we've right. seen this, uh, and we all know that it's a tabloid, basically over there in the UK. Jim, no, no, <laughs> are we going to do this
1: all episode? <laughs> no, it's just a running theme. Oh, okay, okay,
0: it's a running <laughs> gag.
1: Um, it's a bit, man. It's a oh, bit. Okay. And of course, I just ruined
0: it by pointing it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, apparently, according to the Mirror.co.uk, they have a source uh, inside the BBC saying that BBC bosses want Doctor Who to feel like a brand new show under incoming showrunner Chris Chibnall. Which, by that, Mirror.co.uk says, we can expect a whole new lineup in 2018. Uh, so, basically, the clean slate that their source from the BBC is saying basically we're going to get a reset like what we got when Stephen moffat took over from davies
1: okay 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 i have to say this okay they're saying that they want a completely new show all fresh you know everything <laughs> different younger doctor new component. but they want to go back to what they had with david Tennant.
0: Yes, they want to go back to what they had with David Tennant. That's
1: not a completely new and fresh show. That is a rehash of something we've already had. Right.
0: It makes me wonder if this (laughs) source is just a David Tennant fanboy and wants the show to go back to what
1: we had then. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love the David Tennant run. Right. I love it. But that doesn't mean I want it to be a carbon copy of that all over again. Exactly.
0: Basically, they're saying we're going to get a new, younger, more attractive doctor, uh, a younger companion... So Pearl Mackey, who's apparently twenty nine, I did not know she was that old. I thought she was younger. Um, yeah, is supposedly going to be out because she's only signed a one year contract, which is standard right. for people in an ongoing TV series. Peter Capaldi only signs one contract at a time. Well, he can he can negotiate his money that way. So. Exactly. You know, that's how you negotiate from year to year based on how successful you're doing. And so the the rumor mill has said that basically. You know, Pearl Mackey's going to get the short end of the stick because she's only going to have the one year, and Capaldi is out, and we're going to have uh, a dashing male lead and a young female companion. You know, returning to the format from the David Tennant era. Right. <laughs> um, and they're they're basically saying that this is happening because merchandising has dropped off sharply in recent years. And I'm saying, well, maybe it's dropped off sharply because you haven't had Doctor Who on the air <laughs> in a year. Uh, but I digress. Um, <laughs> so, that's what basically we're we're getting here is the fact that this rumor is saying that in 2018 uh for series 11 when chris chipnall takes over look for everything to be different back to the way it was before
1: (laughs) yeah well now this is this is my thing okay and don't get me wrong i I love what Moffitt's done with the show Moffitt, there i go i called him Moffitt. i usually call him steven uh, because you know (laughs) I made a point to do that because I was listening to a panel and somebody called him Moffat and he called them out and says, why do you keep calling me Moffat? My name is Steven. (laughs) 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 So ever since then, I've made it a point to call him Steven, you know, but yes, I I love what Steven Moffat has done. Um, But I will say that when we went into our first season with Matt Smith, it felt almost jarring to me. Uh, in the first episode with Matt, because it wasn't just we have a new doctor or we have a new companion or whatever. It was everything in the show changed.
0: Yeah. Everything changed. It was almost like a reset.
1: Yeah. I mean, the TARDIS even looked different. You Uh know, it was like, it didn't just change the wallpaper per se on the inside. It went from being the classic TARDIS that we had seen with the, the, the rough exterior and everything that looked like it had history and stuff mm-hmm. to looking like it had a brand new finish on the outside with brand yeah. new windows and everything. And and I'm not saying that I hated the, the way that it looked, but I'm just saying that it felt like there wasn't any smooth transition into this. It was just, bam, there you go. Right. Something completely different. And it almost took me out of the show to the point to where I wasn't sure if I even wanted to watch the next episode or not, you know, (laughs) because it was such a departure. And I really, I don't mind a show transforming and growing and becoming something else Mm -hmm. over time. Especially a show like Doctor Who. Right. I just like it to feel like there's a smooth transition. Mm -hmm. and. That was the first time I could remember in a really long time when it didn't feel like a smooth transition, you know. Right. So it, it, it's. I, I'm hoping this isn't the case.
0: Um, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if we got a new doctor with Chibnall, mm-hmm. uh, simply because you know that's that's kind of the thing that happens with this. You get a new showrunner, they get to start over with a new doctor, and we had speculated about this before. Right. Um, Moffat isn't writing. Yeah, I did Moffat. Stephen won't be writing <laughs> Capaldi out. If anybody writes Capaldi out, it will be Chibnall, right? So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Of course, Chibnall is finishing up uh, the last season of Broadchurch, uh, and then he will be, sh- you know, shifting his focus over to Doctor Who. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm a little bit skeptical of this simply because of the source that we're getting uh, right. for this rumor. And the fact that it is so drastic. And we haven't. And everything we've heard from Steven um, about the transition is that, you know, he's not doing anything to really shake things up on that sort of, you know, in, in that sort of way. And you would think they might have something in place to, like, at least slip in the idea that maybe he's going to regenerate soon. Right. You know, at the end of Steven's final season here. But it doesn't sound like he's doing any of that. So we'll see what happens what um, i would like to see personally
1: if they are going to change doctors mm-hmm. i would like to see um peter capaldi stick around for at least two or three episodes at the beginning of the season and then have a regeneration right inside of the season and not at the beginning or the end of the season i think that would be a really nice uh, way to go about that And it, and, and, and here's the thing If you do it that way, you can actually bring characters in and out of the show over a three or four or five episode arc Mm -hmm. and not make it feel like you're just slamming everything together in one episode to change everything. You can actually make it feel like a smooth transition and still change the entire show. And right to me, that would feel much better than. Even, you know even if you're going to change the entire show it would feel much better to do it that way you know maybe in the first half of the season this episode this changes this episode this changes this episode this changes until you get to where you have a completely different lineup halfway through the season right I, I, I would rather see something like that than to just see a drastic change right off the
0: bat. I, I agree I agree. And I think one of the things that you know we've established throughout the years of the show, is that in order to, to you know keep pace with a drastic change like that, it helps to have a, a through line mm-hmm. aka a companion like Rose. Like Rose to, you know, transition those things. Because while I like Matt Smith, mm-hmm. the abruptness from Tennant to Smith was a bit jarring by the fact that we didn't have someone to take us through that journey, you know, on the show. Right, um, and obviously that's you know partly because Tennant wasn't traveling with a companion at the time.
1: But so see, even if they had used Wilf for that transition, you know, where he went back and visited Wilf a couple of times after his face changed and things like that, mm-hmm. it would have felt less jarring. You know what I'm saying? Right. Even if Wilf was the only through on that, it would have still felt more realistic and more natural than it did by not having anything carry over. Right.
0: And so, there, there's our thoughts on that. And, you know, it has nothing to do whatsoever with the fact that Peter Capaldi is our favorite modern doctor. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, I, I, I do want to be honest there, folks. You know, we may be slightly
1: biased in this respect. Um, I, I don't have a problem seeing someone else come in as long as they do the doctor justice. Right. But I don't want to see Peter go out like a punk either. <laughs> you know so
0: (laughs) all right well i think we should turn our attention back towards what we're here for we are here to discuss the war games the story of the war games uh featuring the second doctor starring patrick trout i almost said peter trout and that's (laughs) not correct uh you have Capelby uh, on the
1: brain. <laughs> I do.
0: I do. And I need to r- bring myself back to Pat, <laughs> Pat Troughton. Um, basically, what we're doing here, folks, is we are building up to our master story reviews. You know, we decided we wanted to include the first and second doctors in this. And since we have the Meddling Monk and the War Chief, not the War Master as we had been calling him, sorry about that. It's been a while <laughs> since I've seen the episode. Um, it's the War Chief, um, who are essentially characters who if the expanded universe hadn't taken it a different way, could have been earlier incarnations of the Master.
1: Yeah, my headcanon, I think they're going to be early incarnations of the Master. <laughs> well,
0: that is headcanon, unfortunately, and not yeah. actual canon.
1: Um, but uh, we
0: wanted to also you know, include them in this lead-up. So we're doing sort of a soft intro to the Master with these two characters. The War Games is a 10-part story so we are splitting it in two episodes we're doing the first five episodes today our next episode will finish it up before we jump into (laughs) uh, the master's proper introduction with uh, John Pertwee as the third doctor
1: and there should be a lot of opportunity to spend some time with the third doctor
0: yes (laughs) uh, we will have a long time to talk about the third doctor and the master (laughs) uh, which is kind of helpful because he's the one doctor that we don't have a TV story of him facing off against the Cybermen. Oh. So, whenever we do our Cybermen episodes, he won't be in there.
1: He does have the Autons, but that's not quite the same thing.
0: No. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Alright, uh, before we jump into our synopsis here of the show, uh, we just want to remind everybody who the second doctor is traveling with this time around. Uh, we have Jamie and and Zoe. Uh, obviously, Jamie is someone that we have talked about before on numerous occasions, both uh, with the Evil of the Dalek story review that we did quite a while ago, um, and then just in some of our companion episodes, um, he's come up uh, a couple of times. He He's quite a fan favorite, <laughs> if you will. What are your thoughts on, on Jamie? I like Jamie a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jamie is the character that I thought was cool enough that he actually made me at one point consider how cool it would be to wear the modern day kilt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Unfortunately, yeah.
1: those are extremely expensive. Mm. So, yeah. okay,
0: good to know. <laughs> um <that's> funny. <laughs>
1: Well, it's no different from wearing shorts, but you know, <laughs> except that, never mind. Um, <laughs> just a little more breezy, just a bit. Um,
0: I feel like there you have to be Scottish in order to really pull it off. But then again, I may not just I just may not be brave enough to pull it off.
1: Um, anyway, but yeah, I bet, I bet it'd feel interesting riding a motorcycle or a horse,
0: like we saw Jamie do in this episode. Yeah, I
1: know, right?
0: <laughs> so. Uh, Jamie, Jamie's a a good character, probably the most iconic of the second doctor's companions, uh, and definitely one that we need to do an episode on in the future, (laughs) a character episode on in the future.
1: He's definitely bullheaded too. Uh,
0: Bullheaded is a good descriptor, uh, you know, leaping before he looks, uh, he's definitely the doctor's (laughs) muscle and the doctor takes advantage of that sometimes so well,
1: he's really really smart but at the same time he's very brutish at the same time you know yeah um i think i compared him at one point to uh mel gibson's character in braveheart you know because mel gibson's character is very brutish but very 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 smart you know mm. uh and considering that they're portraying the same t- type of character i think that that's kind of a fitting description
0: right and the other character we have in here is Zoe. Zoe Harriet is her uh, full name. Uh, she is smart from the <laughs> 21st century. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> although I think it's like 2060 uh, something, I think, is, is her <laughs> her time frame. So we're not there yet. We haven't so, caught up with
1: her yet. So we still don't know if the clothing and things that she was wearing on the show are even remotely close to what we would consider <laughs> somebody wearing in that real time frame. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so <laughs>
0: But uh, she's, you know, she's the smarty pants of the group and the one that gets herself into trouble because she's overly curious. (laughs) Although she's she's learned a bit uh, to be a bit streetwise from Jamie by this time. What do you think of Zoe?
1: Honestly, I don't really I didn't get enough of Zoe in my mind in this story arc so far for me to really and truly give a, a really good judgment. Okay, because this is the only story arc that I have seen her in at all. Okay. And so what I, what I have seen of her so far in these first five episodes, I liked. But I kind of had a tendency to compare her to Susan or to uh, Vicky? Yeah, Vicky from, from our, our last story arc. You know, because mm-hmm. there's even though she's of the future at that point, she's still sort of in that same age range and Still very girly and and everything, you know. And so I don't know if it's just me being the just the, the burly man or whatever. <laughs> I, she to me, she just kind of seemed like another little girl character, if that makes sense. Okay. And and I'm not saying that to be negative or critical. I'm just saying I haven't seen the highlights of the character that that I have seen with Jamie. You know. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, she's. Uh...
0: She definitely gets explored a little bit more uh, in other episodes. There's a lot of a plot mm-hmm. packed into this story, uh, more so than anything else um, than any character development. It's it's definitely a, something focused very much on the story itself.
1: In some ways, it almost felt like I was watching a David Tennant story arc because there's a lot of running and you know, <laughs> and, and and a lot of plotting and and everything. And there was even. A spot or two in this, where for some strange reason, I guess because of the, the 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 way the story was unfolding, it sort of reminded me, like I said, of of a David Tennant story arc because of the action and the running and everything that was in it. I I actually sat there and, and thought about it and said, you know. I wonder how David Tennant's doctor would react to this if he would react the same way that Troughton's doctor is is reacting or if he would stand there and be Mr. Cocky, you know, Mm. Uh, because Patrick Troughton's doctor, whether he is legitimately feeling uh, this way or not, uh, of course, sometimes he does it just to throw people off. But a (laughs) lot of times he acts a lot more humble Mm. than some of the other uh, faces of the doctor that we've seen. you know? Yes.
0: That is, that is true. The War Games was uh, written by Terrence Dix and Malcolm Hulk uh, and was directed by David Maloney and was originally aired from the 19th of April to the 21st of June 1969 and is the seventh and final story of the Second Doctor's third season. This is his final story Period.
1: That's bittersweet.
0: Yeah, before he, you know, makes a couple of appearances in crossover episodes later on.
1: Uh, Three, if I'm not mistaken, right?
0: Yes, that is correct. Uh, The 10th anniversary uh, episode, The Three Doctors, 20th anniversary, The Five Doctors, and then the 25th anniversary, The Two Doctors. So, yes, (laughs) he's shown back up several times with Jamie. With Jamie, yes. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and read the brief synopsis that we have on the TARDIS wiki, and then we will dive into this story. Spoilers. The Doctor, Jamie, and Zoe arrive on an unnamed planet. At first believing themselves to be in the midst of World War One, they realize it to be one of many war zones overseen By the Warlords, who have kidnapped large numbers of human soldiers in order to create an army to conquer the galaxy. Infiltrating the control base, the Doctor discovers the War Chief is also a member of his own race. The creeping realization sets in (laughs) that the Doctor cannot solve this problem alone, and that his days of wandering may be at an end. (laughs) All right, before we get into the details, um, we've only watched the first five episodes of this story so far. I've seen the story before. You have not, Paul. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, so
1: I got to the end of the fifth episode and I messaged Jason and I said, no, I want to watch the rest
0: of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so I'm going to reserve my overall thoughts for part two. But so far, uh, as someone who's only seen the first half of this story, what are your thoughts of the story so far?
1: I really like the way that it unfolds um you know because they don't reveal everything all at once they make you work for it you know (laughs) um they you know it's one of those episodes or one of those story arcs i should say where if you don't pay attention to it you're going to miss something you know and so if you you know, look away or, or, or walk away for four or five minutes, you're going to come back and you're going to go, wait a minute, what, where, where are we? And you're going to have to back it up. Uh, of course, you know, if it's live television, uh, back in the sixties, Oh well, you're just out of luck. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, but it's one of those, um, that it's not overly complicated, but it is definitely complicated, uh-huh. you know, and, and in, 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 What you discover is the people that you think are the enemy are not the actual enemy. They're the victims, you know, and then you discover that there's an entirely different enemy. Uh But wait, now they're sort of a little bit of victims as well, you know, (laughs) and now we have a completely different enemy, you know, (laughs) and it sort of builds on itself, you know, (laughs) It does, Um, almost like a a Marvel Netflix series, Um, (laughs) you know. But yeah, I really enjoyed watching this. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give my rating and review. I'm going to wait. I don't
0: think, I don't think we're uh, gonna give a rating and review at the end of this episode
1: because we've only seen the (laughs) first half. But I I did really enjoy what I've seen so far. Good, you know, good. Especially Patrick Trouton's performance because the same thing has happened with him that happened with William Hartnell. He has grown in this character. He has brought more and more and more and more into this character with the little nuances and everything. And his intensity in this role takes it to a whole nother level in this story arc, you know? Yeah, I would (laughs) agree with that.
0: Let's go ahead and start getting into the plot itself, and I'm going to try and summarize what the TARDIS wiki has, uh, because the TARDIS (laughs) wiki is basically giving you a shot-by-shot breakdown, and if we read that and went completely off that, we'd be here
1: till next Tuesday. It it has little facts in there, like, you can't tell it because it's in black and white, but this character has red hair, (laughs) and his name is not listed in the story, but his character name is Billy Bob, you know?
0: (laughs) Maybe a slight exaggeration, but... Anyway,
1: <laughs> let's
0: go ahead and jump into this. So the TARDIS lands in a desolate wasteland. Uh, they think it might be Earth. Uh, and then the doctor confirms that when they find barbed wire and a pith helmet, that um, allows the doctor to discover where in history they are. Uh, he's about to tell Zoe and Jamie where they're at when bombs start exploding. <laughs> As they duck for cover, an ambulance drives by and the woman driving it uh, <laughs> says, Come on. And before they can, they encounter some soldiers who hop on and commandeer the ambulance. Right? Uh, thankfully, the commandeered soldiers are then commandeered by the British <laughs> uh, as they cross No Man's Land uh, when uh, a Lieutenant Carsters manages to track down the ambulance. Uh, the Doctor, Jamie, and Zoe are immediately suspicious because they are civilians in No Man's Land during World War One, And so lieutenant Carstairs takes the ambulance and everybody back to the base to speak with major Barrington major Barrington suspects that Jamie has deserted from a Highlander regiment but then turns to Zoe and says war is no place for a young woman like you and Zoe goes well what about her pointing to the ambulance driver he goes well she's you know you know she's with the Red Cross basically you know it, it <laughs> anyway um, he starts to think there might be spies and uh, has them watched while he contacts general smythe for more instructions the general asks for them to be sent to him but he appears to be a person of interest to us because he's trying to hide something behind a picture in his office and it gets very angry when someone walks into his office without knocking yeah and then puts on his glasses and tells him that there was nothing to see here basically and the soldier goes there was nothing to see here and leaves <laughs>
1: He acts like a Roboman
0: <laughs> hmm, just a bit the The ambulance driver is a woman named uh, Lady Jennifer. She and Carsters have a conversation about the fact that they're experiencing memory loss issues yeah
1: um, <laughs> at some point in this thing you almost expect to start seeing hash marks on people's arms and stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man, yeah, kind of. (laughs) They don't know. They can't really think how long they've been in this war, and their home bases. They can't quite remember where that's at, but they chalk it up to maybe shell shock or you know the effects of the war.
1: If this was occurring now, they would say, "Perhaps we're abductees. Perhaps (laughs) we've been abducted and brainwashed." We have missing time.
0: Little would they know, (laughs) right? The two of them. Uh, go with the escort taking the (laughs) doctor, Jamie, and Zoe to General Smythe because they might be needed as witnesses. The general's right-hand man, Captain Ransom, is there to greet them. And when he goes into the general's rooms to inform him that the suspects have arrived, General's not there, but no one saw him leave.
1: And he sees some stuff. (laughs) He
0: sees something that looks weird, but then (laughs) shakes his head and kind of forgets it. And then says, General's not available at the moment, so please take them to the cells. <laughs> Later, the general returns. Ransom goes, why weren't you there? And the general puts his glasses on and says, I was sleeping. You did not wish to disturb me. All oh, right, you were sleeping. I didn't, I didn't want to disturb you. <laughs> well, the, the prisoners are here. Good, let's bring them in for their court-martial. Okay.
1: Some of these people, when he messes with them with his glasses almost act downright goofy. Yeah. You know, because... Ransom being you know, the primary. They one. they they, they, cool? they almost get, you know, when when they come out of this stupor or whatever, they almost get this dumb grin on their face sometimes. You know, like, uh-huh, uh, like they're, <laughs> you're like the dumb dog in the cartoon or something. All you know? right yeah. <laughs> totally. Which way did they go, George? Which way did they go? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh,
0: <laughs> the Doctor, Jamie, and Zoe are brought in before General Smythe who has Major Barrington and Captain Ransom there to serve as the members of their court-martial. He basically lays out the case against them before he even asks the Doctor any questions You know, pointing out that he has evidence statements from Lady Jennifer and Lieutenant Carstairs detailing the fact that the uh, ambulance had been waylaid by our TARDIS crew and that uh, Lieutenant Carstairs saved Lady Jennifer from them.
1: Waylaid with what? Their hands? And
0: (laughs) that the doctor had been trying to get back towards German lines. Just saying. (laughs) Um, And the doctor's like, well, I can explain. You'll have your chance to present your case. Well, do I get to cross-examine the witnesses? Of course. (laughs) And so he goes to cross-examine the witnesses. That question is irrelevant. Their statement is, is right here. But what? Huh? Um... Take them away. We need to decide their verdict. What? <laughs> what? Barrington and Ransom both go. Well, there's not enough concrete evidence to convict them of anything. No, <laughs> oh, I think you're right. No, there's not enough. <laughs> Smythe puts his glasses on and says, "They're obviously guilty. Of course, they're so guilty. I saw it. You know, I thought so from the start. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everyone's marched back in. The verdict is given." Jamie is to be taken to a military prison to await court martial by his regiment uh, as soon as it is, you know, located. Uh, Zoe is sentenced to ten years of penal servitude, and the doctor is supposed to be executed. How
1: <laughs> are they going to find Jamie's regiment when he never was in one to begin with? <laughs> There's your problem.
0: <laughs> but apparently, according to General <laughs> Smythe, it's not a problem. He just has to put on his glasses, stare at you very <laughs> awkwardly, and tell you what you're thinking.
1: He was in your regiment.
0: (laughs) Right. He deserted.
1: George. (laughs) Oh,
0: Uh, Jamie is taken away to go be transported to the military prison. The doctor is led off to the cells, but Lady Jennifer uh, allows for some clemency for Zoe uh, saying that she can stay with Jennifer that night until she's transported off for her penal servitude. To which Ransom agrees
1: because you know that's balance, right? You know we're gonna we're gonna make her do hard labor for ten years, but we're gonna kill him, <laughs> right? For the exact same thing. <laughs> that's because Zoe is young and
0: impressionable, and obviously the doctor corrupted her. Okay. Um, <laughs> sometime during the night, Zoe sneaks out and uh, locates General Smythe's office in order to start looking. For the keys to the cell. Which General Smythe has so very, very carefully placed under his pillow. <laughs> when Zoe goes into his quarters, the general is not there. No. Which we're going, what? Because we saw him go in there. <laughs> and she starts snooping around. She pulls back the picture frame, locates this high tech video communication device that should not be in existence in World War I 1917. Um, and then proceeds to find the keys.
1: I will say this. I thought it was really strange that this thing had a round monitor on it. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the screens. The Daleks had, uh, in their, um, uh, city and in some of their ships. Yeah. Know. Uh, yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of interesting. Maybe it's just a villain thing. You have the round, <laughs> the round, uh, monitors.
1: I thought it was because they had the eye stalks, but you know. (laughs) Who knows? Who
0: knows? Who
1: knows?
0: Oh, I love Tom Baker. (laughs) Zoe goes down to the cells to break the doctor out. Of course, after she opens the cell, they're getting ready to head out and they run right into Captain Ransom, who is there to take him to the firing squad.
1: Yeah. Uh, They they go back to the door and they're right there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: There was a lot of that in this this story you know they're like (laughs) they kind of go off to the side to talk about well this is how we have to get out of this situation okay let's do it and they turn around and the bad guys are right there
1: yeah it's a pattern there's a lot of that going on in this (laughs) yeah it's it's a uh, repeated thing over and over and over again in this first these first five episodes yeah
0: um the doctor is taken out to the firing squad and the first episode ends with a zoomed in shot on the doctor's (laughs) face and a shot rings out with him no, flinching. Right. i <laughs> mean <you're> like, what? <laughs> of course, the shot rang out from a window overlooking the firing squad range, uh, killing one of the guys from the firing squad. Ransom and his soldiers return fire, leaving Zoe to be able to untie the doctor so they escape. General Smythe uh, has reported via his video screen that he's leaving for the conference, whatever the conference is. And this large unit thing materializes in his office behind him
1: Mm -hmm.
0: as he's preparing to enter this large boxy unit thing Mm -hmm. ransom barges in to inform him of the doctor's (laughs) escape smythe puts on his glasses (laughs) informs ransom he's leaving for an important meeting and that you did not see anything He goes into the machine. It dematerializes. The
1: the penguins of Madagascar. You You didn't didn't see see anything. anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And then as soon as this thing finishes dematerializing, Ransom comes to his senses and goes, General Smythe, what? Oh, that's right. He left for that very important conference. George. George, where did he go? where did he go george
1: ransom is a Um, here's the thing as soon as that thing appears the sound from it alone i'm sitting there going that's a tardis right that's a
0: tardis (laughs) yes yeah something tardis like
1: yeah it is it is it is very much based on the tardis technology let's put it that way yes um And I will say this, as this progresses throughout these first five episodes, the sound that this thing makes gets more and more and more and more like the Doctor's TARDIS sound as Mm. it gets further along in the story. If you you go back and listen to it. I did not notice that. It starts out having the. (laughs) And then as this story progresses, they start adding in more and more of the and it gets louder and louder and louder as the thing progresses. So I think we might hear it actually sound the same by the time you get to the end of this if they still are using them at that point hmm. because the sound effects became more and more and more like the TARDIS sound effects as the story progressed and I did notice that. I, I now think we need to <laughs> uh,
0: have a special edition where Paul does the sound effects
1: with um. with, with my mouth yes. <laughs> um. I, Cause I, that was... I might just go back and dub sound effects in for that <laughs> <laughs> uh, we now need to re-release all of these on, you know, special editions with that uh, sound effect. Yeah, with 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 all of the guns shooting like pew 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. What if that was a thing? What if that was a thing that happened? Oh man! Uh, now now you know we're going to have to make some YouTube videos now where we go in and redo all the sound effects with our mouths and stuff, right? It, it'll be. <laughs> It'll be
0: the Talking Time Lords dub. And we're going to basically just like, it'll be like a Rift Tracks thing. Pew, pew. This is a very dense story. Yeah, There is so much going on. It's so dense. Yeah. Um, And it's
1: still 10 episodes long. (laughs) Right. That's something else that I was doing while I was watching this. I was thinking, okay, if they were going to do this in Modern Who, and they were going to fit this into a two or three parter what could they cut out in order to make it fit into three episodes? And I'm going, I don't see anything. <laughs> nope. nope. And we may not really be able to see
0: anything until we get to the end of the episode and see, you know, what ultimately matters. Right. But it's like there's not a lot in here that you could really cut out in order to make it fit in, you know, two or three or even four modern episodes.
1: And there's not a lot of rehashing and a lot of backtracking either. Not
0: yet anyways. You know, um, no. But our second episode we, we takes place, at least initially, uh, primarily at the prison where Jamie is being held. Uh, he is sharing a cell or barn, as the case may be, right. with a red coat from 1745. <laughs> we'll get back to that later. But the doctor and Zoe have discovered where the prison is and are concocting a way to get in. The doctor basically <laughs> bluffs, to, bluffs his way in. Uh this is, demanding
1: This is when he needed the psychic paper.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> he didn't have it at this point. Uh but he bluffs his way in demanding to be treated with respect because he's from uh the war office right. and has been sent to inspect the prison. You know, the Commander Norton, who is the is the warden basically of the prison, uh is very upset because they've disturbed his
1: tea time. <laughs> I got that too.
0: Yes. You know. Sir, (laughs) there's someone here to see you. Not now. Tell them to wait. I'm enjoying my tea. And that's when the doctor (laughs) barges in.
1: And then when he bluffs his way in, the first thing the guy says to him is, What do you care for some tea? (laughs) 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 Mm,
0: Not quite like that, but. Sort of. Um, <laughs> and the doctor's like, no, I don't want your stupid tea. Oh, <laughs> no, I have things to do. And I'm very upset because you didn't send a car for me and you're acting like you weren't expecting me. <laughs> well, we weren't. I'm so very, very sorry. It must have been a mix up in our administrative department. <laughs> of course. You know. Um, he ba- <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Ransom has uh, employed the help of Lieutenant Carsters and Lady Jennifer To help him track down the doctor and Zoe. While the doctor is busy going over all of the setup for the prison and the prison records, uh, Jamie and the Redcoat have decided to work together in order to escape. And so they're fighting, dink, dink, in order to bring (laughs) the guards into their cell. In which they turn on the guards, dash out the cell, and run into more guards outside who start opening fire.
1: Jamie goes... (laughs) You don't fight bad for a red coat, <laughs>
0: <laughs> because of course the red coats are Jamie's sworn enemies right? in his normal time zone.
1: <laughs> this guy um, needed to get rid of that wig. <laughs> uh, yeah. That wig was really bad. <laughs> well, he had been through the mist. You know, <laughs> it looked like somebody had taken George Washington and put him through a laundry dryer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh and then spun him around and said okay go find your way home
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man Um, after the shots have been fired and you know the prisoner escape is reported to Norton uh, the doctor demands to speak with the prisoner to get his side of the story to make sure everything is above board you know of course this is the the (laughs) that,
1: that
0: he's implying uh, so Jamie is brought to the doctor. And before Jamie can start talking about how he recognizes the do- you know, asking the doctor questions, the doctor stomps over everything he's about to say in order to give Jamie an idea of what's actually going on. Right.
1: Every time that he opens his mouth, the doctor, shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> shut up. <laughs> right. I have no interest in that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Norton starts getting suspicious, though, um, and decides to call the war office to confirm the doctor's identity. This is when Zoe takes a vase that was sitting on one of the tables and smashes it over his head um, and they decide to leave running right into Ransom Once who, again. Had decided to in, who had decided to inform his friend Norton of the escaped prisoners <laughs> This is time number two that they've literally run into the bad guys um
1: I found a lot of humor in, in uh, Zoe hitting him over the head with that. Yes. <laughs> Especially yes. since she comes off as being so meek most of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it was one of those things where it was like she smashes him and then the look on her face is like, I can't believe I just did that, you know? <laughs> <And> she <laughs> she looks at the doctor and says,
0: I didn't see any other way out of it. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: that actually sounds... Oh, wow! Well, that sounds like Perry. <laughs> is that bad? <laughs> I
0: have now broken Paul. Uh, <laughs> while while Ransom is returning the Doctor, um, Jamie, and Zoe back to uh, headquarters, Lady Jennifer and Lieutenant Carstairs um, start putting some pieces together. Because they're remembering the court-martial and remembering that it didn't seem right, that things were not kosher or above board, and they begin to suspect that General Smythe is corrupt. Um, That's when Ransom returns, gloating so much about how he's recaptured his prisoners. Um, Carsters asks Ransom's opinion of the court-martial, and Ransom goes, it's all, you know, all done to the letter, you know, sort of shrugs and just walks off. We're like, he doesn't remember a thing, does he? Nope, he doesn't. <laughs> and then, of course, this is where the doctor starts putting things together. Because it seems like they're in 1917. But there's a red coat from the 1700s. Mm-hmm. A video communication system from the future. <laughs> What's going on here? Lady Jennifer has been assigned the task of distracting Ransom. While Carstairs goes and gets some answers from the prisoners. Uh, she is asking you know, about his job which is a horrible thing to do because basically what he does is push papers in order for the supplies to all get through. And he gets very upset when supplies (laughs) go missing. He starts telling her all about it in minutia.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's like, finally, somebody's interested in what I do, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Somebody cares about the supply system. (laughs) Not really, Ransom, not really. Um, Nobody wants to listen to you. The doctor, Jamie, and Zoe basically tell carsters everything that they know uh he says it's very far-fetched and needs proof so they're like well we can show you the video communication system he says okay let's do that then maybe i'll believe you lady jennifer gets ransom out the door by saying that the general wants him to meet him at uh forward base 17 i think which is the farthest one away from the main headquarters right (laughs) he goes oh okay and (laughs) takes off because he's, you know. party. <laughs> and he's also General Smythe's whipped puppy dog. Um,
1: but he believes her, she's party. <laughs> right. Right.
0: Carstairs, Jennifer, and our TARDIS crew go into General Smythe's office. And they pull back the painting to reveal this uh, communication device. But Carstairs and Jennifer can't see it at first. It's until they play really it. concentrate.
1: I'll see it. Where's it at? Where's that? Yeah. <laughs> they,
0: they then really concentrate and it's they gradually are able to see it. But it's on. Right. And Smythe is watching them from somewhere else uh, until the doctor turns it off.
1: Right. And this is where I almost felt like the doctor acted a little bit less doctor-like than what I've seen him in the past because he almost goes into panic mode at this point.
0: Well, he says that they need to run. And basically what I get is the doctor needs more
1: data. Right. And they
0: can't get more data if he's captured again. Right. So we need
1: to get out of here. (laughs) That was a David Tennant moment too.
0: Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Uh, On their way out, uh, Ransom comes back in going, I don't think the general actually needed me out there post 17 <laughs> um, and then questions Carsters on what's going on because he's got the prisoners with them and Carsters goes, the general wants them move to headquarters hmm. immediately. Oh, okay. But ransom wants to know where lady Jennifer is because he was sent on a wild goose chase
1: and she's party.
0: Yeah. And she's <laughs> Uh But she's gone to get the ambulance ready. <laughs> Five of them climb into the ambulance. They take <laughs> off. Uh, Smythe returns to his quarters via the materialization unit thingy <laughs> and questions Ransom as to what is going on, why the prisoners are are not there. Right. Ransom sees the ambulance leaving, and Smythe orders it to be located. It's been spotted. Uh, Ransom. <laughs> is then ordered by General Smythe to use the artillery and blow it up. Uh, Ransom initially puts up resistance to this until Smythe puts on his glasses.
1: Yeah. But sir, there are two women on there. <laughs> right. And one of them's purdy.
0: <laughs> this is when the ambulance starts heading towards the edge of the map that Carsters has been given. Which the doctor notices isn't a very good map because it doesn't include the full terrain. They start heading towards the edge of the map when the mist comes on them. Jennifer and Carstairs don't really have the the willpower to move through it, so the doctor jumps in the driver's seat, drives the ambulance through the mist, and they emerge on a very peaceful hillside until they notice the charging Roman horde. <laughs>
1: I found this almost comical, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because it was one of those things where uh, you think for just a second, okay, they're going to get, they're going to get a, a slight respite. Mm-hmm. And then they look up and it's like an oh, <laughs> f- moment, you know, right? right. <laughs> everybody's face changes up at the same time. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I do love it because the doctor, Jamie, and Zoe climb to the top of a hill to get some fresh air because they're not on this battlefield anymore. And they're going in, they're breathing in the fresh air. They turn to their left and their faces all drop simultaneously as they notice the charging Roman horde.
1: Right.
0: And this is one of the great things about this group, this 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 partners group here, is they work so well together on these
1: comedic moments. They feed off <laughs> or, of one another. They
0: do, they do. And particularly the doctor's face
1: just changes
0: so abruptly and so dramatically. He's like Oh, this is wonderful, this is great. Oh <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so they Hightail it back Mm -hmm. to the ambulance, back it up back through the mist, re-emerging back into 1917. (laughs) The doctor goes, ah, the mists act as barriers between different time zones. There has to be a map of all the time zones. It's probably in General Smythe's office. We need to go get it.
1: (laughs) This is really the first time in the whole thing so far that they've done backtracking. Right.
0: They return back to the base uh, with Carcer's pretending like he's returning prisoners, Ransom doesn't fall for it. Uh, and in the scuffle, Ransom is tied up with a bunch of bandages.
1: Um, <laughs> That's the first thing he's not fallen for in the entire right. show. <laughs> it, is,
0: it is. It's taken three episodes, but Ransom is finally getting a bit of a brain. Um, she
1: might be pretty, but she ain't that pretty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right now only Carsters, Jamie, and the doctor are in the office. Uh, Carsters watches you know, stands guard while the doctor tries to, you know, rig a little device to blow open General Smythe's safe. Um he by basically taking apart a grenade in order to rig a it a little explosive. A grenade. Grenade. <laughs> grenade. Something I'm sure uh, Ace would love to get her hands on. Um, Strax. um, Yes. (laughs)
1: Grenades. Um. If we got
0: Leela, Strax, and Ace together in an armory,
1: oh, dear Lord, God help their opponents. Um, They would start their own suicide squad. (laughs) 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 <laughs> they would they really would
0: oh my gosh
1: uh. they'd probably recruit one of the rhino people and, you know? <laughs> right one of the jadun
0: uh. let's see who else uh, would, would we want to include jamie in there maybe
1: um. <laughs> one of the martians mm. <laughs> and handles um, <laughs> handles needs a <to> body
0: <laughs> we'll stick him on top of rusty um,
1: <laughs> assimilate oh. <laughs> could you imagine that assimilation uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> that would be terrible um, they should let's do come that by- at some point <laughs> <laughs> a cyberman dalek hybrid exactly <laughs> Oh, that would be creepy.
0: <laughs> that would be bad. Especially if it was controlled by the master. Yes! <laughs> Let's come back to the war games. <laughs> Unfortunately, the little plan goes a little bit awry when a soldier reporting to Ransom uh, comes in to check on things. Carcers cannot get him out the door quite fast enough because the soldier hears the muffled explosion coming from General Smy's office, and he has to be dressed up with bandages too. The doctor finds the map, and there's all sorts of time zones on this thing. But in the very middle of the map is a blank space without any identification marks on it. And the doctor goes, Ah, that must be where we have to go. <laughs> um, very astute, doctor. No, um, I'm
1: kidding.
0: Uh, and they head out in the ambulance, but are waylaid by German soldiers. And unfortunately, the guy in charge of the German soldiers, Von Weich, I believe is his name, has a monocle that does the same thing as General Smythe's glasses.
1: I almost expected Indiana Jones to come out from someplace. <laughs> Just because of how stereotypically German these German soldiers were. That and the monocle, you know. Uh, right, the monocle, yes. <laughs>
0: the The doctor is able to convince his interrogator that they're not from this time by showing him his sonic screw, screwdriver and unscrewing and screwing a, a screw back in on the guy's gun. The uh, soldier is about to be convinced, basically, before Von Weick puts an end to to that with his monocle they are not time travelers, they are spies and should be shot yes, they are spies and should be shot von Weich also has one of these video communication devices behind a painting and reports the capture of the trio the doctor is able to pull out the sonic screwdriver again and reconvince the German soldier of who they are distracts him just enough to steal the soldier's gun and uh, escapes back to the ambulance. We then cut to our first shot, really, of a central headquarters for whoever these people are. And General Smythe is reporting to a mysterious man that we only know as the War Chief. Things are progressing well. Uh, Smythe then reports the prisoners and the stories of their time travel to the War Chief, um, who wants them brought to him. Von Weich then reports in. And says that they escaped. Smythe is furious and blames Von Weich for his incompetence. Um, and the Ward Chief just orders that they need to organize a pursuit and put out a general alert to all time zones since they can uh, apparently go through them and that they must be captured alive. The Ward Chief gets a little contemplative after this, you know, implying that maybe he knows who this is. Mm hmm. But um, we cut right back to the doctor and his colleagues as they uh, arrive in 1862 America during the Civil War.
1: It's not very civil. No,
0: not at all. <laughs> I like your, your reference of the joke that they use in the show. The ambulance is out of petrol uh, and is beset by gunshots, and so they all have to run for their lives. Um, Carstairs stays behind to protect them as they escape and gets captured. And the doctor, Jamie, Zoe, and Lady Jennifer manage to find a barn where they can hide in. Soon after they arrive in the barn, they hear a materialization noise, yep. and one of these units materializes in the barn. The door opens, and a whole troop of soldiers emerge. Uh Zoe goes that it must it says it must be bigger on the inside, like the TARDIS. The doctor goes to look inside. We start hearing gunshots. Jennifer goes to look and see what's going on. Zoe runs into the unit to tell the doctor what's going on. And Jamie right. goes to help Jennifer. The unit closes and dematerializes.
1: <laughs> he goes to help Jennifer cause she's party. Right.
0: <laughs> Although she's got a thing for Lieutenant Carsters.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> who seems to be the only one who hasn't noticed that she's party. Right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the only one who seems mildly oblivious as to all of what's going on here. <laughs> Episode four starts with Jamie and Jennifer being surrounded by Union soldiers of the North. The Doctor and Zoe start exploring this dematerialization unit and begin to try and figure out who could have been using this sort of technology. They find a room filled with stationary dormant German soldiers that seem to be in some kind of trance, and in another room there's a fleet of Roman soldiers in the same sort of state. The ship lands, the doors open, and the Romans get off.
1: See, even when this thing landed initially and the doctor saw it, the look on his face uh-huh. and the way he reacted to it—very, it was very clear that he thought, "Oh my gosh, this is Gallifreyan technology." Right. Somebody's using Gallifreyan technology. Who could it be? Exactly. You know. And so it's it's once again uh, the point where the doctor plays Sherlock Holmes. You know, mm-hmm. to try to track this mystery down. You know. Right.
0: Zoe wants to escape, but the doctor says no. We need to wait till it goes back to its home base. It appears to be making stops in all these different time zones. We need to wait in here till it's empty. Then it goes back to its base. And that's when we'll get out because we need to find out what's going on.
1: It's like a, it's like a quantum bus, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. This is your stop. Right, get right. off, right?
0: <laughs> oh, we go back to the Civil War where the Union soldiers are tying them up for being South spies. When the South attacks right? <laughs> um, in the battle, the, so- the Union soldiers leave them behind. The South unties them until they report to their general, who's von Reich. <laughs> Who, who now speaks like this. Yeah, yes, who <laughs> speaks in a very obviously put on southern accent. Right. Um, those of us both on this show are from the southern United States. And while, yes, some of us do have accents, not quite as bad as that.
1: Well, some some much stronger than others. But Right. <laughs> right.
0: There are some who have those kinds of accents. But we're not all like that. We don't all sound like this. We're not all have that syrupy southern drawl that you get in all the hollywood movies from the 1940s and
1: 50s right i will say this my wife tells me that when i go into dad mode that (laughs) all of the southern vernacular comes out of me (laughs) like you would not believe she's like you suddenly go into boy what do you think you're doing you know And I don't think that I do that, but she says that I do that. So <laughs> That's funny.
0: But apparently Von Weyfe has tapped into his inner dad mode, um, puts his monocle on and orders that Jamie and lady Jennifer are spies and should be tied up. So they were tied up, released and then tied back up again. <laughs> we go back to the central zone here. That's what I'm going to call it. This, this headquarters area uh, where the war chief is meeting with a scientist Because 5% of their soldiers are breaking their processing and causing pockets of resistance. And he doesn't want them to form a rebellion. And this scientist is supposed to be coming up with a stronger form of processing to solve the problem.
1: This scientist was both funny and creepy at the same time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There was just something off-kilter about this guy. Uh Uh-huh. You know. Um,
0: Von Weich reports that Jamie and Jennifer have been found. The Doctor and Zoe are still loose. And the Lord chief says they will be excellent specimens for reprocessing.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: is, of course, when the Doctor and Zoe arrive at the Central Zone. <laughs> he notices that this ship is powered by remote control, but it has some manual controls that he thinks, if needed, he can override and control this TARDIS-like device. Zoe notices some glass, some very odd glasses on the ship um, that also being worn by a controller in the landing bay. So they put the glasses on in order to blend in and then set off to explore.
1: Those glasses are ugly as homemade sin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. They, they look like somebody took uh, the Tenth Doctor's 3D glasses and, and basically... Uh, Injected them with the most horrendous steroids that you've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, the the eye holes are like crosses almost. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you can look straight up and down or straight left and right and you can't see anything else. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm Uh, surprised they weren't tripping and falling down over stuff. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Jamie and Lady Jennifer are rescued by a Union soldier. Um, who is snuck into the barn. Uh, As they sneak out, they're spotted. The South South soldiers capture the Union soldier while Jamie and Jennifer escape. Von Weich attempts to use his monocle to brainwash this Union soldier, but it doesn't work. Mind tricks don't work on me. All the money. (laughs) And there is our Star Wars reference for the episode. Huzzah. (laughs) <laughs> Jamie and Jennifer have both been uh, pursued by separate soldiers on horseback. Jamie is able to dehorse his pursuer and steal the horse and is able to rescue Jennifer, but as soon as they are getting ready to leave, there's more soldiers on either side of the hills and they're captured. Again, there's a lot of capturing going on in this episode, this story. That's
1: probably the most redundant thing in this. Yes. <laughs>
0: The Doctor and Zoe are exploring and they end up getting funneled into a lecture hall where the scientist that we saw earlier is going to uh, demonstrate his new reprocessing machine
1: on Lieutenant Carsters. See, I thought this was ingenious storytelling because, you know, this was a way to say, okay, we really have to start telling people what's going on here. (laughs) Right. But we don't want it to be like 15 minutes of pointless exposition for no apparent reason so we're going to invent this scenario mm-hmm. to where we have a legitimate reason to explain this to the audience right. and the, the doctor at the same time right? and make it fit in the story you know <laughs> so I liked the way that they did that right and it also gave the doctor an opportunity to be the smartest man in the room <laughs> yes
0: Uh, Carsters is brought out and recognizes the doctor, but the doctor motions for him to keep quiet. Um, Carsters is brainwashed into thinking the lecture hall is the officer's quarters and that the scientist is a superior officer and everyone there are soldiers except for the doctor and Zoe, they're German spies. We had them (laughs) court-martialed. What? (laughs) Right? (laughs) The doctor... Then, of course, takes that to say, oh, looks like your machine's not quite as good as you thought it was, and, you know, demands, you know, some sort of apology about the whole situation. Scientist says, oh, it's not too much of a failure, it's just, you know, you know, whatever. He probably was just
1: obsessed with a court-martial before we reprocessed him, and that's why. That was classic doctor, though, because you would, I mean, definitely, I don't think you would have seen Hartnell do this, but from the point where we see Troughton react to the scenario where he literally just flips it and, and makes it an opportunity for him rather than a, a detriment mm-hmm. that type of scenario for the doctor and the way that is written for Troughton carries over into the fourth Doctor, into mm-hmm. the eleventh doctor, into the tenth doctor. And so it becomes from Troughton on, it becomes a staple for the Doctor yeah. to be able to do that in that scenario. And I think that's really cool, to be able to see the origins of that in the character. Yeah. Um
0: the doctor also thinks that the reason why this didn't work properly is because the man was not deprocessed first. Um but I'm sure your machine couldn't do that, could it? You know. Oh, yes, actually, it could. Well, really? I don't see how it could. Well, if you do this, this, and this, that's how it works. Oh, oh of course, I see. Thank you very much. Um,
1: the smartest man in the room. Exactly. <laughs> and nobody knows it. <laughs> exactly. Wait till they take my idea and make him a 15-year-old kid. Mm, yes. <laughs> that would
0: be so funny. That, that would be. <laughs> Jamie and Jennifer are returned back to the barn where Jamie recognizes Von Weich from the German zone in 1917. Um, There's another attack where Union soldiers, well, not necessarily Union soldiers, resistance soldiers, because there's people from uh, the Civil War zone, the World War I zone. Uh, There's a Roman (laughs) centurion and some other soldiers from other zones all show up um, who have been part of this 5% resistance um, and they burst in capture Von Weich <laughs> and free Jamie and Jennifer um, they want to kill Von Weich and Jamie says wait we need him and they decide to wait till their commanding officer arrives before they actually do anything with him.
1: Jamie's thinking they should use him as bargaining chip
0: right um But, you know, everyone else is just so mad with Von Weich and his ilk that they just want to do away with him once and for all. Um, The lecture lecture is finished. uh, An alarm goes off and some soldiers enter the lecture hall with the war chief, uh, who wants to know if the experiment was successful. Um, And the scientist says, yes, it was partly successful. And this student here actually helped me refine the process so it should be more effective in the future. Of course, the student is the doctor. The war chief and the doctor lock eyes, recognize each other, and the doctor and Zoe take off.
1: Now, does the doctor recognize the war chief or does the war chief just recognize the doctor? That's my question because it was very plain that the war chief's eyes got about the size of quarters mm-hmm. or half, or no, about, about the size of, of half dollars. Right. Because he literally was like, uh 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 you know like oh crap <laughs> I, <laughs> you know <laughs> i feel like there
0: was some sort of recognition
1: see this is the reason this type of storytelling this is the reason why i really truly feel like that they had a plan to mm-hmm. transition the monk into the war chief you know and I don't know that they necessarily intended for it to become the master per se but I really do feel like that the monk was supposed to become the war chief and I feel like that that, w- that scene was put in there intentionally for that reason.
0: Yeah. I feel like there was some sort of recognition on the part of the doctor uh whether it's just recognition that this is a Gallifreyan uh time lord or whether he recognizes him specifically, I don't know yet. Um Think that they'll have to wait till we actually get an actual confrontation with these two. Um, but unfortunately, in their hubbub to escape, the doctor and Zoe get separated. Carsters is sent after them and he finds Zoe and captures her. Um, and he's still in that brainwashed state, says that she's a German spy and it's his duty to kill her. Begins to pull the trigger when the scientist catches up. Um, and orders him to stand down because they need her for questioning. Um, back in the Civil War zone, a scuffle is breaking out between some of the factions in the Resistance, some who want to kill Von Weich immediately, others who are willing to wait for their uh, commander Russell to show up. Right. <laughs> and they get into a f- fisticuffs matchup before Russell barges in, grabs the two guys by the scruffs of their collars basically pulls them apart and says what's going on
1: here I'm sorry but I'm watching this and they say they bring up Russell mm-hmm. and, and Jamie says who's Russell and, and the first thing that pops into my head was the showrunner in 2005 <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, it was like, it took me out of the shot of the scene. It took me out of the scene just for that <laughs> moment for that to pop into my head. And I was like, I'm going to bring that up when Jason talks about that. Nice.
0: <laughs> Russell brings order to the barn and Jamie is able to catch Von White trying to um, access his communication monitor for something. And exposes the monitor, uh, backing up his claims of what the bigger picture is. Um, Zoe is taken in for questioning by the security chief, who puts a truth helmet thing on. Um, <laughs> it causes her to tell the truth, uh, and gets some very interesting information from her.
1: That looked like that looked like a prototype for. Uh, a star Wars helmet of some. Kind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know? it's like a welding helmet, except the thing yeah. that comes down is almost like a pointed beak. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> staring right at Zoe. Uh, you know, she gives some very interesting answers. Like she's not part of the resistance. She's from the 21st century, but they don't have a 21st century war zone. Um, which nowadays, if we made this nowadays, there definitely would be, because there's a bunch of stuff going on. We'd have some insurgencies <laughs> going on in the middle East in this thing. Um, but that's neither here nor there Uh, and then the security chief begins to beam photos of known rebels into her head wanting her to identify who the doctor is Um, after she tells about the doctor and the TARDIS
1: see I I thought that was creepy how he starts implanting those images in her head Uh, there was just something that seemed too invasive to me about that It it was not pleasant you know No. Um,
0: Carsters has been returned to the scientists for basically uh, deprocessing and reprocessing in order to try and ensure that he comes out right this time because he almost killed a prisoner Um, of course the doctor stumbles upon this uh, the scientist goes weren't they looking for you oh no 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 they were looking for the girl did they catch her well I do believe so oh good 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 can I help well, I suppose.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: you know, they begin deprocessing and the doctor asks if Carsters will remember everything. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, but the minute we reprocess him, he'll forget it all. Oh, OK. Um, please strap up, you know, strap in the, the soldier. We don't want him escaping when he remembers what's going on. Of course. Yes. The doctor pretends to strap up Carsters. Um, and so the minute Carsters is back to normal, he breaks loose. They capture the scientist, stick him in the machine. Um, which basically immobilizes the scientists, um, and they're going to go head out and try and find Zoe. But before they do, the doctor turns the machine down, um, putting the scientist on simmer.
1: Yeah, I thought that was funny. I, I might should leave him on simmer, right? <laughs> As if he's a, a roaster a turkey, or right? <laughs>
0: Um, unfortunately, back in the Civil War zone, they've taken their eyes off von Weich just long enough for him to set off the alarm system on his communications device. Um, the security chief reports to the war chief, Zoe cannot recognize any of the resistance members, and tells him that Zoe is from 1917, and that she knows nothing. Um, the war chief and the security chief then go to investigate the alarm that's starting to go on, uh, narrowly missing the doctor and car in the corridor. Uh, the doctor then bursts into the uh, place where they're holding Zoe. They overpower the guard and they rescue Zoe. Um, the doctor tries on the helmet and sees all the resistance members and he begins to formulate a plan to organize everybody in order to rise up against the controllers. He asked Zoe can you remember everyone you saw? Of course! Because she's got, you know, an eidetic memory basically. Photographic memory. Um and they start heading back to the landing bay to grab one of these dematerialization devices to go back to the real world. Um the security chief decides to send guards to the Civil War zone, um, which of course means a dematerialization unit lands in the barn. The guards pop out, and Jamie and the resistance people capture them, uh, proving Jamie's point even farther. Uh, back in headquarters, the war chief and the security chief are at a disagreement over the security forces continued mistakes. Um the security chief wants to know how the war chief recognized the doctor, and the war chief gets very angry for being questioned. Right. Um, and we start to see that the war chief is not actually part of this larger group. Um, you know, that he's basically been brought in to assist them with the dematerialization unit knowledge and technology. Um and when the war chief continues to pr- protest uh, about the security chief's insolence, uh, the security chief says, "Well, you should go complain to the warlord if you have if you have any issues with this." And the <laughs> war chief says, "I will uh, go continue your interrogation of the girl." Of course, the security chief returns, finds the soldier on the ground, and so he's escaped. Um, Jamie convinces some of the resistance soldiers. To join him in the dematerialization unit to go back to help find Zoe and the doctor. Um, the security chief finds the scientist in the deprocessing machine, releases him, uh, and the scientist says, We need to tell the war chief about this guy. The security chief goes, No.
1: <laughs> because
0: <laughs> Zoe says that they are time travelers. Right? The war chief is the only one that we know who knows that sort of technology. Well, him and his people. Right. If the war chief is a traitor to his own people, how can we trust him? Will he not betray us?
1: Hmm. So now we get a lot (laughs) of political
0: intrigue (laughs) beginning to start. Um, The war chief is getting impatient because the transport returning hasn't radioed in per per protocol, and he sends guards down to the landing bay the doctors, Zoe, and Carstairs are hiding in the landing bay. They watch this dematerialization unit show up as the guards show up. Right. Jamie and resistance soldiers jump out. The guards open fire and everybody falls down,
1: including Jamie.
0: And that's where we're ending our story. Jamie, no! <laughs> so that is the end of five episodes of The War Games. As you can see, folks, it is very in-depth, very detailed. Yeah. Um, since it took us this long to talk about just five episodes of this thing.
1: <laughs> Let's go back and watch the other five and do the other half now.
0: Yeah, well. No. <laughs> I've got other things i got to do today first.
1: Um, I'd, I'd like to go have dinner.
0: <laughs> right, you know. Uh, but before we wrap this up, we're not going to give our ratings, but Paul, just where are you at with this episode where, where we've left it? You know, I'm very curious to hear what you think because I've seen this. I know generally speaking, what happens, uh, you haven't seen this before. Where, where are you at with all of this? I'm excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I really am enjoying the build up right now. I am enjoying where they're going with this and, um, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of filler in this, you know? Um, it feels like that they put a lot of thought into this. They put a lot of effort into making sure that the things they put in this story mattered, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'm really, I'm really enjoying this so far. You know, it makes me literally want to go right now and watch the other five, you know? Yeah. I- <laughs>
0: I like this story I like this story a lot and of course you know the payoff all comes in the second half and so we've got a lot of set up here and things are going to start paying off um as we continue on next episode um so yes next episode we will be finishing the war games uh with part two of our discussion on this story um and part two of our discussion on the second doctor's final story ever um
1: well, before he returns to you know
0: <laughs> for specials um,
1: yeah but those happened chronologically before this
0: well yes <laughs> sort of maybe <laughs> anyway um, let's see here if you want to weigh in on our discussion here if you've uh, if you're enjoying this discussion if you like the war games and want to give us your thoughts on part two of this uh, you can go ahead and do that on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash TalkingTimeLords. You can always tweet us at TalkingTimeLord or email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Of course, links to all of our previously released episodes, are TARDIS on the internet, and links to our uh, Thunderquack, uh store, in which we have yes. a t-shirt design, a, a design there, uh, can all be found on our website, TalkingTimeLords.com.
1: And guys, we can actually get messages from you through the website. We have voicemail on the website. Um, and we also have the ability for you to leave comments and things on our episodes on the website. Uh, so yes. you can interact with us there as well. Yes.
0: If you leave us a rating and review on iTunes, we would be greatly appreciative. We'll read it here on the show. And if we had something, we'd give it to you, but we don't have anything to give to you. Um,
1: we give you air from our lungs.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's a sample. A free sample. Now, if you want the full gift, you need to go and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. TuneIn, in, Stitcher, wherever you find our podcast, but particularly iTunes, folks.
1: Because um, we won't know how much you love us if you don't.
0: Exactly. And sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to the empty internet. I know, right? It's empty. Like the space, the time vortex. Anyway, um, hey, look, I'll we stop being be floating
1: around out here by ourselves, guys. Just so, you know, let, right. let us know that you're out there listening, you know? Exactly. All right. Um,
0: yeah, so be sure to come back next episode for the conclusion of the War Games, um, which I'm very excited to get to. <laughs> Anything else, Paul? Mm, I'm good. Okay. Well, I believe that will wrap up this episode. It, it feels very awkward wrapping it up this abruptly I know. because we don't we don't have like final thoughts on the episode, uh, you know, final analysis on what happened to our characters, or even a rating because you know we're halfway through. It's um, right. just very awkward. So,
1: and and we can't even talk about you know some of the. Uh, 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 interesting spin-off things that, that could be talked about from the episodes and stuff as well. Right. So, because we
0: don't know what's left, you know, unresolved. Right. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so come back next, next episode where we can actually get some conclusion uh, for this story. Um, closure. And that will wrap. Closure. Yeah, closure. Yes. closure. I suppose. Some I closure. need
1: some closure. <laughs> yes.
0: The open-ended nature of this is just tearing me apart. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you, everybody. That'll wrap up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number fifty-five, War Games Part One. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time,
1: may you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, everybody.
0: Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts or visit patreon.com/thunderquack to help support the shows.